Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. LSU baseball closing out the weekend with a victory over Stony Brook, the only team able to give them a loss so far. Uh, we're happy to welcome in now Koki Riley, LSU baseball and football writer for the Times, Picayune, and The Advocate. How you doing this Monday, Koki? Doing great. How's it going, guys? Doing all right. Uh, LSU able to wrap up the series with a win over Stony Brook. Uh, came out uh, gangbusters right away. But, man, that Stony Brook squad was definitely pesky, able to tack on a ton of rums, runs and make it a much closer game than I really think it should have been, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I think one of the reasons why Stony Brook was able to put 10 runs on the board and kind of stay, kind of sort of stay in the game, at least keep the game alive, you know, um, not have it end in six, not have it end in you know seven or eight innings is because I, I think part of it is just the, the fact that you know LSU wasn't pitching necessarily their best guys in this game. It was the fourth game in four days, and you know Mike and Buckner had a very tough outing. And I think Stony Brook's too good of a team to just you know close out with the bottom half of your bullpen in terms of winning the game by ten runs, but uh, ten or more runs. But I mean they still won by eight, and they still won very comfortably. They more or less blew them out. And, um, I think that's more. I think that's kind of what you wanted to see, and and um, when when you're facing a team like Stony Brook, and um, and especially after like the offensive struggles they had the, in the middle two games of the series, um, the fact that you know they got back to hitting the ball again on Sunday, I think that was kind of the real takeaway of the game. Going back to that first meeting against Stony Brook, Koki, a big negative of the weekend, I think overall was just another poor outing you've seen from pitcher Thatcher Hurd, only lasting four and a third, uh, giving up three earned runs. Uh, what's been the talk about Hurd? I know, obviously, uh, they're not giving up on him just yet as their Friday night guy. Yeah. Um, with Hurd, I'm, I'm curious to see if he actually does start on Friday against Texas. That's a big matchup against a ranked team, yeah. um, an SEC caliber opponent and uh, at Minute Maid Park. And the last time Dr. Hurd pitched against Texas last year, he actually pitched pretty well. Um, but uh, we'll see this time around when you have a guy with, like Luke Holman who um, you could theoretically just move up a day. He'll have probably plenty of rest. He only threw 77 pitches on Saturday. Um, and when and given how well Luke well Luke Holman has pitched this year, I think it's it would be interesting to see whether they actually make that move um, and have uh, and have Holman throw the Friday and not Hurd. But as just for Hurd, as for Hurd, like he's just been really inconsistent, not just from start to start, from almost from inning to inning. Um, I think it was the first inning uh, of, of on this 
this Friday it was a one, two, three perfect inning, and then he runs into some trouble, and then he has a good inning, and then he runs into some trouble the next inning, and it kind of it's almost seesaws back and forth for him. Um, I, I, again, Stony Brook's probably the best team they've played against, and they're a decent offensive team, as we saw with the ten runs that they put up on Mon- on not Monday on on Sunday. Um, but in Friday's game, like, yeah, I mean, the, he probably, that her probably shouldn't be giving up as many singles as, as he did in that game. And, um, he probably really only should have, should have allowed, uh, two runs, uh, three, because there was uh, a ball that Josh Pearson misjudged in right field that, um, wasn't called an error, but was more or less an error. And that kind of cost him a run. Um, so I, I think his performance it, it was definitely better. Um, than his than his first start where he really just fell apart after the first um, after the first eight batters, but I don't think he was amazing either, and um, and I certainly don't think he's been as good as Luke Holman has been so far this year. So uh, I think with all those things considered, like Thatcher should definitely be in the rotation for this team. He's way too talented. Um, he's proven that he can be uh, one of the best pitchers in college baseball when he's really on. Um, but he but at least. What we from what we've seen so far, like Luke Holman's been the best pitcher, been been, been the best starting pitcher on this team, and I don't think that's really much of a debate, to be honest with you. It's not at all, Koki. But I want to actually look at the bullpen because we've talked about the pitching depth of this year's team and how it was even better than last year. But if you're looking at the bullpen and what happened on Sunday, as you said, they didn't throw their best guys necessarily after Javen Coleman, who had another good outing, by the way, and I think he's kind of cementing himself further and further as one of those weekend rotation guys. Uh, four innings pitched, two runs allowed on two hits and six strikeouts. Micah Bucknam, you mentioned he had a rough outing. So did Christian Little. They throw a total of 32 pitches and give up six runs without recording an out. But then Jay went to a guy that I think he's going to start to trust more and more as the season progresses, and that is the Juco transfer, Fidelo Loa, who gave up a hit, and then he goes six up and six down. So he was outstanding. Once again, he still has a zero ERA on the year uh, early on, and I think that he's going another guy that's going to make a name for himself, as, and Jay Johnson's going to trust him as we go throughout the season as a high-leverage guy out of the bullpen. Fidel, he's just a really solid pitcher and a really good bullpen piece for this team. I mean, the mid-90s fastball, really sharp slider, he pounds the strike zone. Um, there's no question that he's going uh, he's gonna to fill up the zone. And, uh, and, and you just like his efficiency and his, and, uh, and his really underrated abilities as a pitcher, especially, and um, really under-recruited guy out of high school, uh, went to junior college for two seasons, um, the other day talked about how, you know, some of the work he did in the weight room over the, his JUCO, um, uh, Delta, uh, San Joaquin Delta community college, if I'm remembering that correctly, um, uh, which apparently is only 15 minutes away from his house. Uh, some of the work he did there really helped his velocity, really helped him kind of become like a, like a prominent JUCO guy. Um, and Jay Johnson said they had a lot of competition actually to bring him into LSU, even though he came here as kind of an under under the radar guy that no one had really heard of. Um, but he's become one of their best. Um, he's become one of their best relievers, and I, I'd say it's him and Gavin Gidger probably the top two right-handed options they have in this bullpen right now. And it was for the most part a pretty good weekend for uh, their their bullpen as a whole, and, and especially with some of the right-handed guys that they have. And um, obviously. Things didn't go well for them on Sunday, but again, part of that was Micah Bucknam kind of kind of disintegrating in that inning. I mean, he gives up a three-run home run, walks another batter, four runs on him. Uh, Christian Little had some bad luck in that inning, and, and it kind of tailspins. And 
Um, I, I was talking about Josh Pearson's misplay in right field. Uh, Ethan Fry simply lost the ball in the sun, and that scored. That that kind of uh, opened the floodgates for the other two runs to score. Uh, so Little really only faced two batters. It was like a it was a seeing eye single, and then uh, and then the misfly ball. So I, I'm actually I actually feel still pretty good about Christian Little after these first two weekends. Um, again, he also looked good in the non-conference last year, so we don't want to get too too far ahead of ourselves. But we know he has the talent to be uh, like a really ta- a really uh, an important pitcher for this team this year. Um, so I look at him. I look at uh, Sam Dunn, another right-handed reliever who looked pretty good, who's looked really good to start this year, and a guy who's John, who John, Jay Johnson has uh, put a lot of trust in early on. So they just have a lot of options. Um, it's not just from the left-handed side, which is what we've talked about. Uh, kind of endless, endlessly since the beginning of the season. Uh, it's also, you know, they have some right-handed options, and I think Fidel Uyoa is, is uh, kind of the lead uh, lead guy in terms of guys who have stepped up from the right-handed side of the bullpen. Koki, a guy that in the uh, Tigers outfield, in no way, shape, or form am I going to try to compare him to uh, Dylan Cruz, but man, oh man, Paxton Kling, every time I seem to look, he was on base for the Tigers this weekend. Yeah, uh, Paxton, he's seeing the ball very, very well right now. In terms of, like, approach and play discipline, he's probably been um, the most consistent outfielder. He was he was the best, probably the best hitter throughout the entire weekend, if I'm being totally honest, just in terms of approach and um, putting the ball in play and all that stuff. I still want to see him activate his power more and hit more doubles. Haven't really seen that from him too, too much this year. Um, but... Other than that, I mean, defensively, he's been amazing. Like, he's – you could argue that he's as good of an athlete as Cruz was out there, maybe even faster than, than wow. he was. I mean, he had an incredible catch two weeks ago um, where he was playing in and shading to right field, but then sprinted back and made a, made a catch in deep left center field. Um, and it was just a really, really impressive play, and, it, it, and I – his athleticism was certainly on display there, and I think they're they're really set in the outfield in terms of the athletes that they have and the range that they can cover. And um, Cruz technically was, um, from a technical standpoint, in terms of like route efficiency and all that sort of stuff, was kind of the perfect center fielder. Um, but I think the ceiling with Kling defensively out there might even be higher than with Cruz. I know that sounds blasphemous, but <laughs> like I, I think Kling is just a fantastic athlete. You look at the uh, Wednesday coming up, they've got a matchup against Rice and then have a little tournament style uh, against the uh, the Houston Foundation Classic, uh, three different clubs there. I guess a good time in this lineup uh, for the season, at least to test this lineup on the road, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's uh, They're going to play five row games in a row, actually. Um, they have Rice on the road Wednesday, and then they play uh, three games at the Houston Classic. Those are um, all uh, neutral site games, at least technically speaking. Right. Uh, they'll play Texas on Friday, UL on Saturday, and then Texas State on Sunday. And then they come back to Louisiana, but they go to Hammond to play Southeastern on pretty sure it's Tuesday of next week, but I, of the next week, but I'm not, I, I have to double check that. It's actually Wednesday. Um, I'm looking at it right now, Koki. It's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, so that'll be Wednesday. So like they're going to be on the road for a while here. <laughs> um, then they, before they return home to play Xavier on right. Friday. 
Um, but, yeah, so they're going to be in the road for a little while here. It's going to be an interesting test, and they're going to play a much better team than what they've played and then who they've played uh, so far this season. So I think we're going to get just a better sense of where this team is at um, because, you know, you can play these lesser teams, but you really don't know what you have, especially given especially when you add in the fact that it's small sample size. So I don't think we can have any, like, real major takeaways other than maybe some of the stuff that's been going on with the offense that we can talk about in a bit. Um, but – yeah, like it, it, uh, I'm just really curious to see how they sort of react to uh, some of this better competition, especially with the Texas game on Friday. Listening to Jay's comments after the game against Stony Brook, it was interesting to hear him say it's hard to create a lineup for this team. And if I'm correct, I think 16 players had an, a plate appearance for the Tigers, position players, um, this just this past weekend over that four-game stretch. And it's a good thing that they're getting these young guys at bats early on, but I mean, Coach Johnson's going to have to figure out – SEC play is only a few weeks away. Like, we got this upcoming weekend in Houston, then they got the weekend series against Xavier, and then you're playing Mississippi State. Now, Mississippi State's kind of a cupcake, so to speak, in the SEC starting things off. It's, it's as cupcake as you can get in the conference is what I'm trying to say. But then you have basically four straight weekends where it is as hard as any schedule in the country, where you're playing Florida, you're playing Arkansas, you're playing Vanderbilt, you're playing Tennessee. So – I mean, by the time conference play gets around, you want to make sure that you have – and depth is a good thing. I'm not going to say anything bad about that. But you got to have your starters in line, uh, the guys that you can count on every single weekend. That you're, you know, Every single Friday, you're going to have a set lineup. Um, and it seems like Coach Johnson's – the amount of depth that they have on this roster is struggling to get there right now. He's got a couple weekends to do it. And I think this upcoming weekend is going to be huge when you're playing a team like Texas. Yeah, Um I think that's that's an interesting comment. I haven't totally thought of it in that like exact way, but I I don't know if John, I, I mean coach if you think about last year like let's look at last year's team that won the national championship like they were tinkering with the lineup I mean all the way to Omaha pretty much um, and I mean Jared Jones and Paxton Kling and Brady Neal I think Neal might have stuck as a starter if he was still healthy but. Um, uh, but Jones and Clayton, especially, I mean, they were starters for really the first half of the year. And Josh Pearson was pretty much coming off the bench. And then by the time you get to Omaha, the, the most important games, it's, you know, Clayton's on the bench. He's rarely ever playing. And Jared Jones is rarely ever playing. So, um, I mean, they had trouble getting Kate Veloso at bats to start the year. I mean, Hayden Dravinsky didn't really, wasn't a factor until he hit that walk-off home run against Ole Miss. And then after that, it all changed for him. So, um, I, I, I think the depth is more important just because you have the options that not just, you know, if a guy goes down, you can, it, you, you have the, you have, uh, you have another guy to, who can come up and, uh, make an impact, like sort of like what they had last year with the catching situation, but it also just gives you like options in terms of the pitchers you're facing, right. And the different, you know, you have, you know, a, a good, it's a good stable of right-handed bats to face against, lefties and vice versa right so um i think with that flexibility that they have um i think that's more more of a good thing with the depth and i'm not quite as worried about um them not having like a set nine you know uh they just need to have you know five or six guys who can really hit and i i i I mean whether you have depth or not like that's that's obviously going to be the most important thing. And I think that kind of gets gets me to like, 
this weekend, probably the most concerning thing about this weekend, and really kind of the first two uh, series in general is just the inconsistencies of this offense, where in one game you get 27 runs um, against VMI, another game you get 18 runs against Stony, a decent, an okay Stony Brook team, and then you know you you only score two um, against you know you, get, you you only get three hits against Northern Illinois, for example, right? Uh, like that's just kind of unacceptable, and um, and they they've just got to find more consistency with that offense, and it's just going to be harder and uh, more of a roller coaster for them on that side of the ball this year when they don't have as many veterans as they had um, last season. I mean, Gavin Dugas, Cade Beloso, guys who just did a fantastic job of working counts and um, swinging at their pitch and you know and pitch selection and pitch recognition. And all that stuff that, you know, it, that they, they just kind of mastered hitting at the college level, all these guys to at least a, uh, pretty, uh, to a, at least a respectable degree. And that now they just don't have that anymore um, with the exception of, you know, a Mac Bingham or even a Tommy White. So uh, how quickly those younger guys can grow up, the Brady Neals, the Garrett Joneses, the Paxton Clings, like that kind of is determines the ceiling of this team and what they can do. Uh, moving forward, and it's not always going to look pretty, but what does it look like at the when they show up at the SEC tournament, when they show up in the NCAA tournament? Like that's going to determine their season, at least I think. Yeah, no, I think that it's a good point. I, I, I didn't mean to say that depth was bad necessarily for this roster. I yeah. just want to see how Jay Johnson starts to more consistently get his lineup cards ready to go because at times so far early on in the season, you'll see different guys uh, getting opportunities, and that's a good thing when you're playing teams like Stony Brook and Northern Illinois. Uh, but once you get into SEC play, that's you know you want to kind of have at least, as you said, six set guys that you can expect game in and game out to produce for you offensively. And one of those guys produced really well. Actually, two of them I want to ask you about real quick. Tommy White obviously hits his first homer of the season, gets six RBI over the weekend. And then uh, Michael Braswell also had six RBI. A really nice bounce back weekend for the South Carolina transfer uh, with a triple, a homer, three runs scored, and then also, as I said, six RBI. So those two guys I think you'd expect to see Every single game, basically. Uh, and then what you saw from Braswell, after a slow kind of start maybe to the season offensively, a really nice bounce back. Yeah, Braswell was better this past weekend. Um, he sat out Saturday's game. I think that kind of helped him reset a little bit because uh, I think he had one good game on, what was it, Thursday, hit the home run. Um, Friday, he didn't really do much of anything. Well, no one really did anything on Friday except for Kling, um, when they lost that game. And then Saturday he sat, and then Sunday he played. He probably had his best game of the year with the triple. Um, so, yeah, like I, I think the good signs with him is that he's hitting for power. He's hitting balls into gaps. He has a home run. He had one home run all of last season in South Carolina. He already has one at LSU. That's a good sign. He has a triple, an opposite, that was opposite field, driven into the gap. Probably was helped by the wind a little bit. Like, that ball was hanging out there. But at the same time, you know, he, hit, he was hitting the ball in the air, uh, which is a good sign because he was hitting the ball on the ground too much at South Carolina. And one of the adjustments they've tried to make with him is to leave with his hips more, um, activate his core, activate his lower half better, and to lift balls for doubles, home runs, et cetera, et cetera. They already like his approach to the plate. They already like the fact that he takes walks and um, has a good eye at the plate and – and that's usually, but but like that was actually kind of a problem for him in the first weekend that he was being too aggressive early in counts um, and uh, just not taking advantage of um, 
uh, that some of the weaker pitching that they have and just being, you know, swinging too early in the count. And um, that was kind of a problem again for him on a Friday, but it's at the same time, like him and the rest of the team really turned that around um, yesterday, uh, yesterday on Sunday. So yeah. And, and I, and with Tommy, yes, he was better this weekend. I still don't think he's a hundred percent there because he's not really hitting the ball hard the opposite uh, the other way yet. And when Tommy's right, it's when he's, you know, jacking home runs, um, jacking home runs the right field as a right-handed hitter. So uh, until we see that, and he's hitting ropes to the right to the right side on the opposite field, he's not pulling those outside pitches. Um, that's when that's when we'll know he's right because right now he's still pulling too many pitches, um, too many outside pitches, and, and and basically rolling over on that on that stuff, uh, off-speed pitches in particular. So. Yeah, I, I'm still. I, I think we're still waiting for Tommy to be Tommy again. Um, but this week one, weekend was a good step forward for Braswell, and the fact that he's hitting for power, I think, is just a good sign in general for him. Quick one for you here before we let you run, Koki. I want to get your crystal ball prediction. I guess you could say for Friday's starter against Texas. Is it going to be Thatcher Hurd? Is it going to be Luke Holman? Uh, maybe you could throw Gage Jump in that. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think it's probably going to be one of those two guys. Uh, just get an early prediction. I know it's Monday. We're looking ahead of Friday, and we are looking also past Rice, which I shouldn't do given how Rice has played just this past weekend in Lafayette. Uh, but, yeah, who do you think is going to be the Friday night starter against Texas? Yeah, Rice is interesting because they actually beat UL two out of three Correct. Um, this past weekend. So, Great pitching as well. So there's going to be – yeah, exactly. And uh, And – um, that's going to be on the road. And my guess is Kate Anderson starts Wednesday, um, just to be a completist here. Uh, I think Luke Holman starts Friday. I, again, he's just been the best starter on this team so far to start the season. I don't think it's particularly close. And um, I think he's kind of earned that right to pitch against Texas, which is going to be the biggest non-conference game that you will play all year um, before the NCAA tournament, at least. So you have that, and then uh, heard Saturday, jump Sunday, something like that. Uh, that, that. That would be my guess as to what it could be. But um, as you know, Jay Johnson keeps keeps everything pretty close to the vest when it comes to that sort of stuff. So um, we'll see. Koki, awesome stuff as always from you. Appreciate talking ball. Are you going to be making this road trip to Houston? Yes, I'll be uh, making the drive tomorrow. Man right. Made Park is a great guys. place to watch a game. And I know I'm biased because oh, yeah. I'm an Astros fan, but it's, it's a <laughs> great park. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I, I've been once. It was uh, really cool. The really cool park. So look forward to going again. Enjoy it all, Koki. Thank you so much for the time. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. That's Koki Riley, LSU baseball and football writer for the Times Picayune and the Advocate. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend four point four hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.